You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A frightening situation in Chilliwack where heavily armed emergency response team members descended on a townhouse complex. RCMP receiving a tip about a family being held hostage at gunpoint. Tonight, in a Global News exclusive, Jill Bennett spoke with that family who explains how it was all a hoax. SWAT teams were in our tree, on the roof, everywhere. This is just part of the police response at a complex on Better Road in Chilliwack Thursday afternoon. Police officers on the phone um, wanting to um, tell me that I need to, re- I, I need to gather all the people in my house and one by one come out with our hands up. Karan, an early childhood educator who happened to be homesick from work, says she had no idea what was going on. She got her children together, along with the family dog, and followed the orders going outside. My mom woke me up because they were calling her, and then we were and then we were let outside having to have our hands up, and then, and then we just sat out there and they told us what was going on. Neighbors also noticed the large police presence. Some parents were told local schools were keeping students inside. After the police incident, I called my husband because we have one of our sons that goes there. And so he called the school. They said it was on lockdown and everything. We asked about the elementary schools. And yeah, but I mean, everyone was fine. After a sweep of the townhouse, the family was allowed back in. Turns out Karan had been swatted. Someone had made an online order to this nearby pizza restaurant, but the order claimed the family was being held hostage by a man with a shotgun. It's a prank that happens more in the U.S. Last August, a man was shot and killed during a police response to a swatting. Until Thursday, Karan had never heard of such a thing, but says now she hopes to educate others on what to do if it happens to you. So stay calm, do what they tell you to do, and ask questions later. It's unclear where the online threat was made. RCMP say filing a false police report is a criminal offense. Jill Bennett, Global News, Chilliwack. Now, an update to that terrifying CRA scam we reported on last night's news hour. Vancouver police confirming today the victim made up part of her story. Our Paul Johnson is live with the latest on this. And Paul, detectives have now determined there were no fake police. Sophie, no fake police, no handcuffs, no fake police car. They say she did fall for the CRA scam and gave them about six grand, but it ends there. The rest of the story she likely made up, presumably because she was embarrassed. They said it started like they all do, these CRA scams. She got a phone call from someone telling her that she had a tax debt and she was about to be arrested. But then she went on to say that these people posing as the police came to her house, drove her to a Scotiabank where she took out $6,000. They say she then drove, they then drove her to a Bitcoin machine in Surrey where she deposited the money. Now, because this would have essentially been a kidnapping, Vancouver Police's major crimes people got investigating this and eventually her story unraveled pretty quickly. We do take it serious. Uh, We have to remember here that this lady has been through a lot. She has been victimized. She did get duped. She fell for a scam that's widely known. And I I suspect she was probably a little bit embarrassed. And when she had to go back and talk to her family about this, um, she probably took some actions she wouldn't normally do, like 
create up create a, an elaborate story like this. Unfortunately, from a policing standpoint and a public safety standpoint, it sure got the wheels moving, and uh, we let the public know, which probably instilled a bit of fear. And also, we reassigned a lot of resources and put a lot of man uh, work hours into this. Yeah, it was a pretty disturbing story, Paul. It's understandable why people would be shaken up by that. So let's go over what people need to know about the CRA scam. Sophie, so many people are falling for this. I don't think we can reinforce this enough. But number one, the CRA does not call you about some kind of tax debt or tax obligation that you don't already know about. If somebody is calling you, it is probably a scam. CRA also does not accept payment in the form of Bitcoin or gift cards. In fact, no government agency in Canada accepts any form of payment in that form. Also, police and the CRA are not going to be arresting you out of the blue. You're going to know if you're in trouble with the CRA. Sophie? Good things to remember, Paul. Thank you. BC's police watchdog has sent a report to Crown Council for consideration of charges in connection with a police-involved shooting in Burnaby. The incident happened in March of 2015. Burnaby RCMP called to an early morning robbery at a convenience store on Canada Way near Edmonds. As police attempted to make the arrests, shots were fired when two men took off in a vehicle. One man was tracked down and taken to hospital with non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. The other was taken into custody. After three years of investigating, the Independent Investigations Office is now sending its report to Crown. Lightning strikes sparking dozens of new wildfires around the province, most notably in northern B.C. And last night there were some tense moments in Kamloops. Residents of one neighborhood had just minutes to get out when a grass fire suddenly exploded. Aaron MacArthur explains why the wildfire service says this is a wake-up call for everyone. The response was almost immediate, but it had to be. A lightning strike sparked a grass fire above this subdivision in Kamloops, and within minutes, flames fueled by 80-kilometer-an-hour wind gusts put people in danger. Twelve homes were evacuated, people scrambling to get out safely. My wife was calling me, and she had the kids in the van already and ready to go. I walked outside, saw smoke and flames, and wasn't waiting around. I can see my house, I can see my family either. It was not very nice looking. It was traumatized. Yeah, Yeah, that was the worst experience I have in my life. The fire was contained quickly, but it is one of 200 fires started this week, almost all of them caused by lightning. Tens of thousands of strikes recorded and then fires to match. Just four large fires to deal with right now. So far this year, nearly 400 square kilometers of forest has been burned, roughly 10 times the size of Stanley Park. The vast majority of those fires have been quite small. Uh, Many of them are burning in remote areas. And, you know, with the exception of this fire in Bachelor Heights last night, uh, no threats to communities, no evacuations or anything like that. The fire rating across much of southern B.C. right now is still listed as moderate. But a stretch of hot weather could change that in just a couple of days. This fire in Kamloops, so close to homes, brings up a warning about the interface area. Fire smart your homes. Uh, Any uh, loose debris, uh, fine fuels, uh, wood piles, uh, keep them away from your house. Uh, Obviously, uh, be very diligent on uh, open flame, open fires. With lightning in the forecast, 
It's a wake-up call about just how volatile BC's forests can be with the heat of the fire season still to come. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Expect heavier than normal ferry traffic from Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay this weekend. A repair to a propeller hub on the coastal inspiration is taking longer than expected. BC Ferry says it'll be another week before it's back in service. And with no replacement ship available, travelers are being advised to expect delays. BC Ferries is encouraging people to travel as foot passengers if possible or consider the Tawasin Duke Point or Tawasin Swartz Bay routes since they have additional service and reservations are still available on some of those sailings. A new report confirms today what many drivers have long suspected. You're being gouged on gas. A Vancouver economist has crunched the numbers and points the finger directly at the oil industry. Ted Chernecki reports. Gasoline prices in the Lower Mainland have dropped a bit from their high of $1.60 back in May, but you are still paying a premium. The Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives studied the world price of oil versus the price of gasoline over the last six years. If folks remember back uh, in 2014 and 2015, we saw oil pl- prices uh, collapse. Uh, you know, they dropped about 68% from, uh, from top to bottom, but the price of gasoline dropped by only 18% uh, in Vancouver. So what you had happen was uh, refiners and retailers stepping in to take uh, increased profits on the downside. In 2014, the world price of oil plummeted to less than $40 a barrel from its high of 140 a barrel 10 years ago. But the price at the pump has never come close to the same drop. Even today, the world price is in the $70 range, yet your price at the pump hit an all-time high in B.C. And motorists were quick to point out to all the taxes we pay, one-third of that price is all tax. Well, taxes are, of course, partly to blame for B.C.'s high gas prices. And it's the one thing that we actually have control over. We have control over the politicians who jack up or impose those gasoline taxes. This is a democracy. If we don't like the high rate of gasoline taxes, we can vote these politicians out of office. But as this chart shows, taxes have not changed much over the last eight years, running in the 50 cent a litre range. But the price of gasoline has been soaring, especially in the last two years, and every summer we get the same supply and demand story. There's not a single person who's shown up to a gas station and had the pumps be empty. Right? So all of the gas that's being demanded by consumers in Vancouver is being supplied to consumers of Vancouver. They've just been told a story that implies that there are some shortages that justify them raising prices. And uh, if people are willing to believe it, then they're able to make higher profits. Calls to the Parkland Fuel Corporation, owners of the Burnaby Refinery, were not returned. Last quarter, Parkland reported a record quarterly profit of $469 million. Ted Schnecke, Global News. Alex Trebek calls him the one-man invasion of the United States. A high school teacher from New Westminster, now a three-day Jeopardy champion. Ali Hassan could not be stumped, earning an impressive haul and a runaway victory. And as Ted Field reports, he's not done yet. All right, computers for 300. To make a loop in Java, you need to use one of these keywords. Dolphin. Dolphin. Uh, what are four and wow? That is correct. Teacher Ali Hassan uses the game show Jeopardy as a teaching tool, keeping his very competitive students sharp. He understands how important it is to be quick and correct. After all, he's won on the ultimate Jeopardy stage. My biggest fear, I think, going on to the show was that I was going to make a fool of myself. This! As a child in the Middle Eastern country of Bahrain, he loved learning about the world, watched Jeopardy, and dreamed of meeting Alex Trebek. I loved the idea of the show. I thought this was some strange 
new quiz format, but it was exciting, it was fast. Alex Trebek looked like the warmest, cuddliest person in the world, and I just wanted to be on that show, but I thought, of course, living in Bahrain, I couldn't make it. He immigrated to Canada in 2010 and was selected to attend a Jeopardy tryout in Seattle, but that was derailed by immigration at the train station. They said they had to check to make sure I was who I said I was. And that took about five hours, by which time my train was long gone to Washington. Fortunately, he was invited to another tryout where he made the final cut. And when the TV lights came on, Allie started winning. And uh, you remain champion with, oh, hello, a lot of extra money, 26401 And now a two-day total of 46802 That's American. <laughs> yes, that's Alex reminding his fellow Canadian the winnings are in U.S. funds. He's already referred to me on the show as a foreigner and a one-man invasion, so... <laughs> How did you feel about being a one-man invasion? I think that's the coolest nickname. I want everyone to call me that. And now that he's sort of famous, Ali is signing more autographs in high school yearbooks. Ted Field, Global News. A 33-year-old Richmond man is facing several tickets and a driving suspension after a bizarre escapade in Vancouver last night. Video posted online shows a pickup truck driver mounting the curb at an unsuccessful attempt to squeeze between vehicles at the 7-Eleven store at a gas station at Knight Street and East 57th. Hey, you cannot go anywhere, all right? You're on camera. Are you stupid? Well, one woman pumping gas rushed to move her minivan while the pickup driver got back into his dinged truck and made another attempt to pull out. But the built Ford Tough F-150 could not beat the cement pole. Can somebody dial 911? The driver finally managed to make good on his getaway and steer the damaged truck out of the gas station as shocked customers looked on. Police followed the trail of debris to a home in Richmond, handing the driver a 24-hour driving prohibition and several violation tickets. And the truck was towed as officers continued to investigate. No one was hurt in the incident. A brazen parcel thief caught on camera in Richmond is now facing multiple charges. Back in April, a homeowner in the 5,000 block of Lackner Crescent in Richmond captured the suspect on security video. The alleged thief riding up on a bicycle and snatching a parcel from the doorstep. RCMP were able to identify a suspect and connect him to similar crimes in Richmond between March and April of this year. 40-year-old Dana Adam Halifax of no fixed address is charged with theft and mis. Jeff. Well, something to think about the next time you take a stroll along the beach in White Rock. A young tourist visiting her mother is sharing a nightmare of an experience that all began when she decided to go for a jog. Our Rumina Dea has more on how that jog turned into two weeks in a U.S. detention facility. This is a strange one, Rumina. It is, and it's kind of scary because it could have been anyone. So 19-year-old Sadea Roman was visiting her mom from France. It was May 21st, Victoria Day. She went down to the beach in White Rock for a simple jog. There are no signs on this beach, I have to point out, warning people that they are approaching the U.S. border. Now, her mom says she crossed accidentally, stopped to take a picture, and that's when she was approached by American border officials who detained her. She spent two weeks at a detention center in the U.S. before she was able to return to Canada.
So the thing is that anybody can cross the border very quickly. And, uh, and we would like my daughter and me to inform about this fact because for her it's over. So she knows that, uh, yes, we cannot do anything else. So, but the thing is that it must not be happen to somebody else. That's really, really ridiculous. And that's like a trap. Because if we don't see a, a sign, can cross the border very, very easily. Now, U.S. Customs and Border Protection says that even if you cross inadvertently and it's an honest mistake, it's illegal, period. As I said, no warning signs on the beach in either way, which makes you wonder why there aren't. Um, Canada Border Services telling us tonight that it's not responsible for signage beyond the designated point of entry. Sophie. Maybe try to take your run a little bit farther north, I guess. Thanks for that, Rumina. An emotional reunion for a mother and son separated by U.S. Customs officials. The family is from Guatemala. The mother and her seven-year-old apart for a month after illegally crossing the border near Arizona. The woman launched a lawsuit against the Trump administration seeking a court order to get her son back. And this week, the Justice Department agreed to his release. While hundreds of migrant children have been reunited with their parents, hundreds of others are trapped in a bureaucratic black hole. This despite U.S. President Donald Trump's decision to end the policy of separating families who've illegally entered the country. Tonight, we are hearing from some of those ripped apart. Tonight, the government says about 500 migrant children have been reunited with their parents, nearly 2,000 still in limbo. And two days after the president's reversal on family separation, a tearful reunion. Beata Mariana de Jesus Mejia of Guatemala hugging her seven-year-old son Darwin. The Justice Department agreed to release him after she sued in federal court. I started crying when I saw him because he's the only child I have, she says. While the government keeps prosecuting migrants in court, authorities are scrambling to reunite families. I spoke to Griselda Vasquez by phone inside a Texas detention center. She came from Honduras with her nine-year-old son. They were separated at the border. Do you know where your son is? Vasquez says she doesn't know where he is now. She says authorities told her they would only be apart 48 hours. It's now been 10 days. The Department of Health and Human Services keeps track of the more than 2,300 children who have been separated. We are working as fast as we possibly can to find safe homes for these children. They have a network of about 100 shelters like this one in Homestead, Florida, in 17 states, but have not allowed cameras inside. HHS provided these images. In Reynosa, Mexico, Lorena Mejia now lives in this shelter with her three-year-old daughter after making the grueling trek from Honduras. She says U.S. immigration officials had separated her from her teenage son, Ruben, before they were eventually deported. She says her son was taken away for seven days and she didn't know where he was, couldn't communicate with him. She said she wanted to die. Tonight, this migrant family is reunited across the border, but many others are still left waiting. Two people critically hurt in a house explosion in Columbus, Ohio today. Body cam video captures firefighters pulling a man and woman from the debris 
after the blast rocked the neighborhood just after 8 this morning. The home, shattered into pieces, was owned by the city's housing authority and was supposed to be vacant. Who the victims are remains a mystery. The cause is under investigation, but it's believed this was a gas explosion. In Health Matters tonight, a new poll reveals most Canadians would prefer prolonging the daily grind for a shorter work week. Nearly half of us think moving to a 30-hour or four-day work week is a good idea. That's according to the Angus Reid study. But if they have to maintain a standard 40 hours, nearly 70% of those surveyed want to see the traditional Monday to Friday work week condensed into four 10-hour shifts. The poll found all ages are open to the idea of reducing the work week by one day while still working 40 hours. In the grips of the opioid crisis, Health Canada is reminding drug users that fentanyl test strips could lead to a false sense of security. No fentanyl test strips are specifically designed to check street drugs before consumption and could produce false negative results. If that wasn't there, you would want to repeat the test? The test strips may detect fentanyl, but may not be able to detect other drugs like carfentanyl, which can be 100 times more potent than fentanyl. Health Canada is working with companies to include warnings on test strip packages about the risks of unreliable results. A Toronto highway transformed into the Milky Way, but that's not spilled milk, stalling traffic. Well, the sticky details for you right after the forecast. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joining us tonight from Bard on the Beach. Christy and uh, the crowd gathering there behind you. That's right. Just starting to trickle in right now, Sophie. This is the 29th season of Bard on the Beach. Now, every year they wow crowds with spectacular Shakespearean performances, of course, with the natural stunning backdrop of uh, Vancouver. But this year they're doing something a little different. They are infusing uh, Beatles music into a Shakespearean play, As You Like It. And tonight is the opening performance. I'm so curious to see what this is like. And we're going to tell you what it's like in just a few minutes. But first... First, we need to talk about the lightning strikes across much of Western Canada. It is lighting up still, and it has been all afternoon. It looks like a Christmas tree, really, but this is dangerous stuff. Over 200 fires lit across the province uh, in the last two days, and a number more today. Now, thankfully, the severe thunderstorm watches have ended for BC. They're still in place for northern Alberta, but things are really weakening across the south. Still, the potential of very strong gusts in through areas like the Thompson. Okanagan region. The thunderstorm risk tomorrow is really off in Alberta, but it will just touch into the southeastern corner, areas like Cranbrook, down towards Nelson and into Castlegar. This evening, conditions will ease off. Tomorrow, a much more stable day on the way for most areas, although uh, we will see a clearing in the afternoon, but a fair amount of cloud expected in the morning hours, especially along the south coast. So don't get surprised if you wake up to cloud, it will clear and you'll be enjoying sunshine uh, in the afternoon hours and 20 degrees and more. So still a slight chance of an isolated shower across the northern regions, but especially across these southeastern areas. Much more stable in the Thompson Okanagan. And there's your forecast for your Saturday. Uh, We are going to see mostly dry conditions over the weekend, but by Sunday evening, that's when we have a chance of showers. Now I want to introduce you to someone that really needs no introduction at all. Christopher Gaze, he's the founding artistic director here at uh, Bard on the Beach. Thanks so much for having us here. It's very exciting this year. Oh, this is a fantastic night. I've been yearning and looking forward to this night for 18 months or more. 
I do remember speaking to you last year and you were so excited about this new performance. Explain to us how this is going to be with uh, As You Like It and the infusion of the music. Well, think of this. Uh, our production is conceived Kitsilano in the 60s and, of course, the Beatles. So we've taken out quite a large portion of As You Like It to fit 25 songs of the Beatles. We've had the rights all summer to have these Beatles songs. The actors perform uh, the music, they play the music, and they play the parts. It's a sensational production. I think it's the biggest hit we've ever had. We've been sold out every preview so far and, of course, tonight and on through the weekend. So if people want to come, mm-hmm. they have to book. And you can get tickets at uh, bardonthebeach.org, is my understanding. And uh, it's alternating also with a big powerhouse performance. Yes, it alternates with Macbeth. And it's a great classic production of Macbeth uh, in the time. Every, if people like traditional Shakespeare, we have it this year. Great acting and great performances all around. And the great play Macbeth. That's right. I can't wait to see it as you like it. We'll be coming back actually next week to see it. So thank you so much for having us here. And the other great thing is that you can come, have a glass of wine. You can have a picnic here. It's all with a beautiful natural backdrop here in Vancouver. It was such a great tradition. Thanks for having us here. And uh, good luck tonight with, for everyone. Great pleasure. Have a great summer. All right. So back to you now. Listen to Christopher Gaze all day long. Thank you very much, Christy. A dairy disaster unfolding on one of Canada's busiest roads today. Look how sticky it is there. Like it's just smeared all over the lanes. Ugh. That was a good description. Ugh, is right. This was the scene on Highway 401 in Toronto today after a transport truck filled with yogurt clipped an electronic signpost. The impact ripped open the vehicle's trailer and the lactose load spilled across several lanes, halting commuters during the morning rush. Crews spent much of the day cleaning up the mess. No one was hurt. A 25-year-old Brampton man has been charged with careless driving. And that's 9,000 barrels of aging bourbon piled in a heap right there. It happened at the Barton 1792 Distillery in Louisville, the heart of Kentucky bourbon country. A large section of the storage warehouse collapsing today. No injuries have been reported, and it's still not clear what caused the collapse. Officials say there appears to be no sign of contamination in a local waterway. Celebrities and pro athletes are in Metro Vancouver this weekend for a special fundraiser where kids are strengthening their sports skills. It's called the 12 North Sports Classic, and our community reporter Michael Newman is taking part in the football clinic. That's right, I'm at the 12 North Sports Classic that's happening here in Langley. Um, All the clinics are underway right now. There's hockey, there's golf, and there's football. And joining me right now is Mr. Sil Grayson from the Seattle Seahawks. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. It's good to be out here, you know, with the 12 Norse fans. I'm super excited. I'm a super fan of Canada. I think all of us Americans are right now, right, you right. know. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fans, you know, they kind of give me something when I come here. And then I love to give back to them. So I'm excited. Right. And I, I, was, I was saying to George earlier that just to see the enthusiasm on these kids' faces, to see folks like you who are, who are living their dream to yeah. be playing professional sports, how does that feel for you? I mean, that feels amazing. You know, um, growing up, always wanting to be there, being at camps like this, and then actually going through the process to get here and then finally being here it's like a dream come true and then sometimes it even feels surreal like it's not even real you know and but we're here we're here so what do you want these kids to leave with today um 
I always tell kids whenever I talk to them, you know, education is the first priority, you know, Um, and just have fun with the sport. If you're good enough, you know, you make it, but let's not be our first option, you know, but what the sport does teach us is hard work and dedication gets us to winning, you know, Mm -hmm. just being competitive in everything that you do, you know, and using that same spirit in every aspect of your life, you know, so. Role model right here. See, teaching the kids what to do. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. No problem. Thank you. (laughs) Back to you. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. Lots of fun out there. Okay. So it's NHL draft night and the Canucks have made their first choice. It happens at night now? Yeah. Okay. And then, well, they do first round tonight and they come back tomorrow. Oh, I see. Okay. Finish things up. This is, you know, big Friday night. Gotcha. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks wanted a defenseman in the first round of the draft, and they knew there would be some decent ones available. But Arizona surprised everybody by taking a center named Barrett Hayton at fifth overall. He was projected to go later in the draft. So that changed everything. That meant more good defensemen were available than the Canucks figured would be. And it allowed them to pick a blue liner they never thought would be available to them. American college star Quinton Hughes. He is now a Vancouver Canucks. And on the surface, I like this pick. It's a good pick. He's the kind of blue liner the Vancouver Canucks need. He's someone who can lead the offense. Good passer, great skater. And that's what they don't have right now. He's not that big, though. They say 5'10". I'm not even sure he's 5'10". But that shouldn't matter if his skill translates to the NHL. Plus, his younger brother, Jack Hughes, who's a forward, is expected to be the first overall pick next year. The Canucks could very much be a lottery team next year, so maybe they can get him, too. They'll be like the new city. Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. All right, Quinn Hughes. His mother was on the U.S. national hockey team. His dad was a good college player. Worked in the NHL as an assistant coach in Boston in the front office in Toronto, so he definitely has hockey bloodlines. And as we said, he is a great skater, he's a great passer, freshman last year at the University of Michigan, but so good that they put him on the U.S. team at the World Hockey Championships with NHL players. And he played not too bad. Not huge, not a big kid, but nowadays defensemen don't have to be that big. And as I said, Vancouver does not have that kind of offensive defenseman that you need in today's NHL. Not sure if he'll play here next year. I'd be a bit surprised, but he's now a Vancouver Canuck. No surprise, Rasmus Dahlin of Sweden went number one to Buffalo. No surprise, second pick overall, Andrei Shveshnikov. The Russian is now a Carolina Panther. Montreal went with Jesperi. Colt Kaniemi. He is a center. That was a little bit of a surprise, but Montreal needs centers. Actually, some Canuck fans were, or Canadian fans were really surprised they took that kid. Take it easy, lady. He might be good. You never know. All right. World Cup. Costa Rica, Brazil. Christian Bolanos, former Whitecap in the Costa Rican lineup, but they haven't played Kendall Waston yet. No scoring until stoppage time. Philippe Coutinho, that's a goal for Brazil. I don't get it. So many goals in soccer are scored in stoppage time. What about the first 90 minutes? Why don't you try to score them? And then Neymar. <laughs> Neymar! 2-0 for Brazil. That's a big win for Brazil. Costa Rica eliminated from the knockout stage. What about Iceland taking on Nigeria? Now, they're in the same group as Argentina. It was kind of hoping for a Nigerian win to keep their hopes alive, and they got that. 
Ahmed Musa. That's good skill. Nice uniforms too. Digging the Nigerian uniforms. 75th minute, Musa would score again. We should mention that Iceland had a penalty kick, but missed it completely. But all of those teams, Nigeria, Iceland, and Argentina, still have a chance to go to the knockout stage from this group. Switzerland and Serbia. Great game. Fifth minute, Alexander Mitrovic with the header. And the Serbians are up 1-0. But... The Swiss with a second half rally. Brandon Xhaka, right, where is he? There he is, back of the net. And then again, 90th minute, basically extra time. Shakiri is loose with speed and poise. And then he decides to show us what he's been doing in the gym. Took off his shirt. I don't know if we're going to see that. Well, I'm sorry. I Oh, there he is, right there, see? Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's been, been working out. Get a show off? <laughs> yeah, summer. Out with a gun. Yeah, gun show. Oh, the Blue Bombers with tricks against the Montreal Alouettes. Andrew Harris with a touchdown there. Boy, Montreal's gone bad. If you go back to last year, they are going to lose 13 straight. They're not going to win this game tonight. Chris Stevler to Drew Wolitarski. Three touchdown catches for him. 56 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Like a bad basketball score. There you go. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. You're welcome. Uh, we uh, need to check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. And we're sitting down tonight with the mother and sister of the French tourist who was detained by U.S. authorities for unknowingly crossing the border while jogging. Plus, a Vancouver woman is hoping social media can help locate her stolen dog. Flower was dognapped in the area of Ontario and 49th Street. A neighbor saw a man grab the pooch and speed off in a van. We'll have those stories some more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie? All right, thanks very much, Anne. Stick around, satellite debris is straight ahead, but first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia? Yeah, another weekend, another list of festivals to choose from, including the much-anticipated Vancouver Dragon Boat Festival. This is North America's largest fest of its kind, with over 200 crews competing, world-class entertainment, children's programming, and more. Calling all Elvis fans from far and wide, the 17th annual Penticton Elvis Festival is on. Dozens of tribute artists will grace the outdoor stages along Okanagan Lake over this three-day celebration of the king of rock and roll. If you're near Cultus Lake, you can't miss Cultus Lake Days, a fun family day with a variety of events that kick off at 9 a.m. and conclude at 10 p.m. with a fireworks display. Skip the flight and experience Greece from home. Greek Day on Broadway is here, Vancouver's largest one-day Greek festival. Spanning a full kilometer on Broadway, it's got everything from food, drink, vendors, live music, and dancing. It's Community Day at Douglas Park, and you and the kids will have so much to do and see. Rides, games, bouncy castles, it's all there. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Canada could use this kid tonight when they play China, maybe. <laughs> well, uh, maybe not quite. Let me yet, put it this way. The average 
12-year-old boy is 4 feet 10 inches tall. This 12-year-old boy from Montreal is 6 feet 10 inches tall. And he plays basketball, as you'd expect. Now, this was taken in Spain. So he's playing against other 12-year-olds. He's 12. He How may not he look 12? 12. And he's what, 6'10"? 6'10". And those are 8-foot hoops because it's 12-year-old basketball. But this guy, it's a, he's a machine. He just has to stand there. He's just dropping them in one after the other after the other. Yeah, Olivier Rieu is his name. Uh, his father is 6'8". His mother is 6'1". And believe me, a lot of basketball scouts... Oh, nice rejection. A lot of basketball scouts are already looking at him. I mean... There's no, he's, how many points does this guy get a game? Most like 100 a game. He, there was a picture of him with an NBA player, and he's taller than yes, the NBA he's taller, player. Yes. All right, so the Red Bull diving. Check this out. Whoa. This is uh, Jonathan Paradis. This is in Italy. He looks so close to the platform. I know. What a twist and turn. And then what gets me here is hardly any splash. Oh, my. Live to tell. He looks pretty happy with it. All right. This commercial uh, for Volkswagen um, has horses laughing at humans. Okay, uh, this is for a casino in Australia, and they bring in the great Richard Cheese to do a little welcome to the jungle, his style.
I see. Oh. oh. It's like when you break the guitar on stage. Well, it's, yeah, That's I mean, it's like, kind of like the Who back in the day would break all their instruments, although they never broke a piano. That's, that's a that's little new. tougher to do. Yeah, he found a way. <laughs> all right, let's check in with Christy Gordon one more time down at Bard on the Beach on this Friday evening. Christy? Thanks so much, Soph. Yeah, so lots of people starting to come in now. The doors open at 7.10. The performance starts at 7.30. People enjoying a glass of wine. Not that I am at all. But looking forward to the big performance tonight. Again, opening night of As You Like It. It's on all the way through the summer, along with the big powerhouse Macbeth as well. Back to you guys. And a pretty decent weekend ahead for us. That's right. All right. Thanks, Christy. As I like it. What? As oh, like I get it. Oh, I didn't know. All right. Uh, hot was... and sour soup and tissues for me. Uh, yes. And, and actually, I would suggest many meds. That too. Or bourbon. I've got a whole cabinet of them. You can just come down the street and I'll help you out. Have a good weekend, all.